Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another unexpected solo show. I say unexpected because my guest, Sarah Colonna, got in touch with me this morning to say that she has a stomach bug and does not want to bring it into my home and she feels terrible canceling last minute. Um, and I think something is going around because Elliot's babysitter yesterday got in touch in the morning to say she couldn't make it because she had what she thought was food poisoning. And then I've since heard of two more people who had either like first they thought it was food poisoning, but then they, because other people have it as well, they realized it's like a 24 hour bug. So, um, a, I hope I don't get it. B a little bit. This is on me. I used to always have like five or six episodes. Was it that many? I think it was that many. I felt very, no, maybe. If you guys listen to my Thursday show, you know that my producer, Jeff, clips bits of me being incredibly indecisive and waffling and then strings them together. So it's like 30 seconds of me going back and forth. And now I'm like attuned to hearing when I do that. And I was just doing that a little bit right now. Um, I know it, what it wasn't that I had five or six in the can. I always had a handful in the can the can that's real podcast talk for all, already recorded. Um, but I felt uncomfortable if I wasn't booked five or six weeks out. And at a certain point, I realized it's easier for me to just record the week prior. And oftentimes, I don't even have a lot of guests booked further than that. Uh, maybe I'll have someone like a couple months, you know, who has something that they're promoting in a couple months. And so they reached out and I've got them on the calendar. Um, and then all of a sudden I'll sit down and I'll book and I'll get, you know, four more guests lined up. Uh, did you want to know the intricacies of how I book my podcast? Because it turns out you are getting it. Anyway, I have allowed myself to be real lax with the, um, not booking far in advance and not having episodes in the can. And I have been burned by that of late because people keep being sick. It's a real sick time, you guys. And it's my own fault, except I think I enjoy, and when I say I think, I know I enjoy these solo episodes. So given how much I like them, I feel like, well, if it happens, it happens. That being said, going forward, I'm going to uh, take out an insurance policy against myself. And you might think by that, I mean, I'm going to start booking more guests. I mean, no, literally calling up Lords of London. Are they still in business? If not, I'll just call State Farm, see if I can take out an insurance policy on myself. Probably like a mid-deductible. Anyway, okay, so I have I had a lot of questions from last time to address, but I have received new questions today, and there's something I want to talk about. You know, I don't normally get political. Part of that is because I don't feel informed enough to speak in a varied and sundry way about politics. I'm going to have to go look those words up later. However, other people don't seem to care at all whether they're informed or not, and they spout. Um, so it's not really going to be political. It's more, I just want to say one thing about migrant children being separated from their parents at the border and then housed 
and it takes up to 45 days to find a sponsor for them. Meanwhile, they could just be with their parents. I feel like this is a deeply disturbing humanitarian crisis. I don't think we know the full extent of it yet. It's it's inhumane. It's cruel. It's terrorist in a way. It's it's terrorizing people from coming across the border. And I get uh I get that people feel like, well, they're not citizens, so they don't have the same rights, but they are human beings. They are human beings. Those are children. Over half of the kids are under 12. The uh the lingo in I think the HHS is tender age children. These are babies, babies and kids being separated from their parents. Uh, There aren't enough resources for them. So who knows what the fuck is happening? Who knows how they're being treated? I mean, I feel like the, the tip of the iceberg is there's not enough bedding for them. They might be housed with adults. And I keep reading this quote saying that if they are housed with adults, that without the proper supervision, that puts them in danger. So think about the the implications of that. But I feel like like a, the you know, on the face of it, there's not enough resources, there's not enough food, there's not enough beds, there's not enough this, there's not enough that. But then who knows what else is happening? And I think that it will come out later what really has been happening. And I, I realize that I'm suggesting that like all sorts of sinister things are happening. I hope that's, I don't, I don't know that, that that's happening. I, I'm not sure I really think it is. Um, but the parallels with Nazi Germany are so intense right now. And I, it's that kind of thing. Like if you were alive during that time, what were you doing to help anyone? And I feel like that's that's right now, I feel like, what am I doing to help this situation, which is abominable? M- not much. But I fear when when we finally understand the scope of what's happening, it'll be horrifying. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I just want to take a moment to say that before moving on to lighter stuff like eyeliner, food with no calories, and fan phone call. Okay, thanks for letting me talk about that. Um, I just feel sort of a responsibility at this point because what the fuck is happening? What the fuck is happening? We have a fascist or proto-fascist regime right now, and it is scaring me. But I also don't know what to do about it, and that's scaring me as well. Okay. I now I'm just going to pause. I'm just trying to pause to, to put some, uh, some space in between that sentiment and the questions, which are definitely going to be lighter. Perhaps this would be a good time to tell you I have a book out, Tropical Attire, Encouraged, and Other Phrases That Scare Me. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it elsewhere. Uh, go to my website, alisonrosen.com. There's like three different places you can click, which will take you right to where you can get it. It's available in all formats, and it's a bunch of short, funny essays, and my husband, Daniel, did the illustrations. And it's uh, delightful if I do say so myself. Okay, 
Let's take some questions. When we ask, they send them in. They're wondering how you have been. So thanks so much for answering these questions from our fans. Lisa Murphy Tate says, what do you think caused your severe aversion to change? I used the word severe after hearing your story about Daniel moving one piece of furniture in your place. Got to say that's severe. Love ya. Yeah. On the Thursday show, we were talking about the fact that I, so I was talking about um, having gotten this new car. It's a, it's a used car, but it's new to me. This new used car. And even though it's a nice car and it's growing on me, I'm kind of bristling at like, but I didn't, Daniel totaled his car, which is why we had to get a new car. Um, and I feeling like, but I didn't want, like this has been foisted on me. I didn't want this, even though it's nice. Um, and similarly, we closed on a house and we'll be moving soon. And I like, instead of feeling delighted, I just feel sort of st- stunned by all the changes that are, ha- are phased rather by all the changes that are happening. And I just don't do well with change. I'm, I'm, I, I need, I need everything to calm down and then I can get excited about it. And Daniel told a story of me coming home. I had been, uh, I think I was in Northern California doing podcasts and this was, this was years ago. And I came home very late, like Daniel was already asleep. And I noticed that he'd moved some furniture around and like it, I was very upset by it. I was very upset. I don't like changes in my environment that I haven't signed off on. I don't know why. I, I'm sure it goes back to something in childhood. I used to frequently fall asleep on the couch or I don't know, not my bed. And then my parents would take, would walk me into my bedroom, put me in bed, and then I would, I don't know how soon after, felt like pretty instant because I've always been a light sleeper, wake up and I would feel enraged. I would feel so angry that someone had, and this was not the language I used at the time, but it's a language I've used since, fucked with me when I was asleep. And I would get really just like, the kind of rage that you can only experience when you're half awake, where you're almost in a more primitive state. Not that I was that evolved, you know, as a, as a child, but maybe I was um, like as this primitive rage. And the only thing I could do would be get up, get out of bed, go in the kitchen and have a snack. And I've thought about what that means in terms of my all my food issues, um, that it was a way of saying, I'm in control and I am choosing what happens to me. And what happens to me right now is I'm having a snack. Or maybe it was a way to deal with the intense feelings. I think it was a little bit of both. But I bring all that up because it's a similar thing, my, my feeling of someone fucking with my environment. Okay, I also have to mention, for the most part, everyone loves these solo episodes. However, I did receive one email, and it would be great if I had it in front of me, but I don't, from someone who I believe is a fan of the show. He, he, she says he, she is, but has an ish with the solo episodes in that this person feels like 
They're a little incoherent. People aren't challenging me on what I'm saying. So I'm not really exploring and expanding on what I'm saying. And it's just turning into Allison's inner monologue. And it's like hard to follow. If that's the case, I'm sorry. I don't want that to be the case, though. But I could feel that it was happening a little bit when I was telling that story. I Look, I jump around a lot, you guys. In therapy, I often preface what I'm saying with, okay, now I'm jumping around. And then my therapist will say, I'm, I'm tracking. It's making sense. So to the person who didn't enjoy my inner monologue, uh, talk to my therapist. She can break it down for you. Also, speaking of therapy, I had something happen, which doesn't happen a lot, um, which is I was describing a situation to my therapist and I was like, what a bitch, right? Because I recently had this encounter with a woman who I felt was a total bitch. And my therapist, and by the way, my friends also agree that this woman is a bitch, but maybe that's just friends. It's a mom situation. It's a, oh, I feel like I can't go into details because it's conceivable, conceivable. Eh, I feel like this woman does not have time to listen to podcasts. Um, I was asking a favor of another mom who I have bent over backwards for. And I've inconvenienced myself to accommodate her. So I was then asking for a favor. And she's like, mm, sorry, that doesn't work for me. Because X, Y, Z, these like reasons that were bullshit to me. <laughs> uh, and now I realize you can't, you, you, there's folly in bending over backwards for someone with the hopes that they'll then do the same for you. If you're going to inconvenience yourself, you can't be doing it with the expectation that some that, that you're going to get something back. You should be doing it be, because you want to be generous with your time or what have you in the moment. Anyway, though, given the circumstances, I was shocked that this woman was such a bitch. And then my therapist is like, I'm not getting that she's a bitch. You're just not a priority. This is just a business arrangement for her. And I'm like, yeah, because she's a bitch. She's like, mm, she's just saying this doesn't work for my family. And I'm like, yeah, because she's a bitch. And my therapist is laughing. But she's like, I'm challenging you on that. And it stuck in my head for the rest of the day. I don't enjoy being challenged. Uh, today, I'm, I'm, I'm over it more. But I found myself feeling upset over her not signing off on my interpretation of this situation, this situation being this woman being a bitch. And I suspect she's challenging me on this because she wants me to see that it's okay to say no to someone and it doesn't mean you're a bitch. It just means that you are doing what works out best for you. And I see that, like the way this woman was just such a fucking bitch makes me go, oh, there's an example of how you can draw really firm boundaries. In the words of my therapist, no is a complete sentence. But I feel like if you use no as a complete sentence, then you're kind of a bitch. Okay, I did not intend to talk about all of this. 
Zenex Jam says, what's your favorite X song? Why are you and your family so damn cute? We just, look, we're just doing us. And it turns out that we're cute. Favorite X song, the once over twice. Incidentally, Adam and I, Adam Carolla and I, our musical taste overlapped quite a bit, not with like John Hyatt and um, Joe Jackson and all of the uh, singer songwriter. Would you consider them singer songwriters? I think so. Um, not that I don't like them, but I'm not. But that's just not the area of overlap. But a lot with '90s alternative acts, for example, Belly, and also. As it turns out, my favorite X song is the Once Over Twice. And I think that might be his favorite X song as well. So I really like the Once Over T- Twice. I really like Poor Girl. And is Poor Girl a Knitter's song? There's a song that is a, actually a Knitter's song, not an X song. I'm having a big brain fart right now. And I've got to sing the song in my head. Hold, you guys. Ba-da-da. I think so. You know what? I could just look. No, you know what? I'm not going to look it up. Um, yeah. Poor girl as well. But I, and I also like, um, Hungry Wolf from Under the Big Black Sun. I really like all the, all the songs, but Once Over Twice would be my favorite. Dictionista says, You are such a natural interviewer, or you make it seem that way. What insights do you have for other writers, interviewers? How do you stay in the moment, listen so intently, ask good... (laughs) Oh, stop. (laughs) Ask good questions. Know when to press when they don't really answer your question or when they give a canned superficial response. Basically, how you conversation so good. Well, that is a hugely nice question. Um, I've talked about that a bit. My recommendation for other people is... Do research ahead of time so that you are familiar with them and then try to stay in the moment. It depends what you're interviewing for, because if you're interviewing for a print piece, the flow of the conversation isn't important. It's important that you get the information you want. And I recall doing interviews for magazines where I would, it would be like a phone interview and I would have this amazing rapport with the person and we would talk for so long and really get on well. And then I, and I would think that was, that went so well because we really got along and we had such a good rapport. I'm just repeating myself now. I'm just repeating myself now, now. And then I would go back and listen to the tape and it really, like I didn't get anything good. It was more, it was almost masturbatory in that, um, Listen to the two of us really chumming it up. So if it's print, do they make print anymore? I don't know. If it's print, you really, it's just about getting the, getting good information and getting the answers to the questions. If it's a podcast or television or, well, television can be edited. uh, So put it asterisk on that one. But if it's a podcast, then it really is about the flow and it's about the listening experience. And that's something that I've had to to adapt to and to learn. I have mentioned it before. I had Fred Armisen on the podcast really early on. I wish that I had some great guests really early and I wish I had had them later. Um, and I had all these questions written down and I kept referring to my list of questions. And I really think that impeded the flow of the interview. So now I, I have some 
idea of where I want to go and I've done research, but I usually just really try to to listen to them, to be in the moment, to not worry about what my next question is going to be. I trust that my next question will come. And sort of in the same way that if, if you are just having a conversation with someone, in terms of when I press more, um, it's really instinctual to me. Um, there's not a lot of intellectual thought. I just, it's like a visceral thing. Um, I just feel when I think there's more there. But I've also had to learn not to push through someone's boundaries just because I'm frustrated that there's a boundary. That was an old thing in in my interviews for print magazines often. If someone didn't want to talk about something, it would become vital to me that I get them to open up. And it wasn't even important to the piece. Um, I don't know why. I, d- I think I just, I don't like when people say no to me. And I've it's this it's this thing that causes me pain, how much I dislike no. That was my dog sneezing in the background. Um, it's, yeah, so it like causes discomfort for me and it's been something I've had to work on, but it actually has worked well in my career. So I've had to realize as a podcaster that if someone doesn't want to talk about something, that's their right and it's okay. And I don't necessarily need to get them to to excavate every emotion. Although that is always kind of where I go. Anyway, thank you for your super nice question. You know what else is super nice? Brandless. You've heard me talk about Brandless before. They're this website where they have delicious food. They have household goods. They have beauty items. Every single item on the website is $3, which it's hard for me to keep it in my mind because I see something that I want and I'm like, oh, I want that. Oh, I wonder how much it is. Oh, it's just $3. I repeatedly have this same surprise that everything is just $3, but it's uh, I'm such a fan of Brandless right now. They have Hundreds of better-for-you everyday essentials, including organic products. It's the healthy online grocery store where everything costs $3. Gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO, cruelty-free, clean beauty and personal care, non-toxic cleaners and home goods. They cut out the middleman and they ship directly to you, saving an average of 40% on cost markups against national brand retailers. And people have started sending me photos of their brandless items on Instagram and saying how delicious they are and how happy they are with everything. That's what I'm saying, you guys. I just, right now, there's like a half in, no. Yeah, I forgot, uh, sorry. Uh, Am I on metric system? Am I on whatever the opposite of the other alternative is? I don't know. Uh, Yes, about one centimeter and or half an inch of tomato basil spaghetti sauce. It is the most fresh, strong basil flavor I've tasted in a tomato basil spaghetti sauce. Because you see that a lot. And then it's like, is there basil in here? It just tastes tomato-y. But this one, it's like very herby in a really good fresh way. And also the cheesy ducks are so good. Finished those a while ago. It's about time for me to get more brandless items. And brandless donates a meal with every purchase through their partnership with Feeding America. By the way, I worked my way through that spaghetti sauce bottle jar. And then I noticed Daniel started using it on his food. 
Hence, that's why we're at a centimeter or half an inch. But that's okay. I should share. I will expect him to give me a dollar fifty. Start building your brandless box today and get free shipping on your first order at brandless.com. Better everything for everyone, all three dollars. Brandless.com. Moving on to more questions. Here we go. Nelson 15 says, what is the best part of being Elliot's mom? What do you look forward to most about potentially having another? The best part of being his mom, aside from just his cute little self, is watching him kind of come online and watching, just watching the progression You know, he's walking and he's running and he's using his hands well and he's talking and the talking, it goes in, it like surges, you know, all of a sudden one day he'll be saying a bunch of stuff and really communicating, not sentences yet, but I just mean he'll see Elmo and he'll say, Elmo, Uh, that's how he says it. And he'll point to different things and say them as opposed to before he could mimic. But now he knows what different things are and he says them and he pronounces Wendy, our dog, Wendy. He says, Audi. <laughs> and sometimes he just says D. But yesterday he saw we were uh, looking at the window and he went Adi at a dog that he saw on the street. And then we also saw a dog when we were out yesterday and he he pointed and said Audi. So that's cute that he thinks all dogs are are named Wendy, but but that he pronounces Wendy as Audi. He also pronounces olives as apple, which is weird because he was in his high chair and he kept saying apple. It's not exactly apple. It's like I'm trying to. It's like apu, apu. Um, and I was thinking well, it's been a while since he's had applesauce. Is that what he's asking for? And I know he loves olives. He loves olives so much that I have to hide them because if he sees them, he gets obsessed. And it's fine if he has some, except that he doesn't swallow them. He just puts them in his mouth and chews them and then wants more and like wants to fill his whole mouth with olives. And then something will come up and all of a sudden all these black bits will come out of his mouth. It's just a fun thing he does. So anyway, so I was, so, you know, he'll say something and I'm not sure what he's saying. And so I'll be like, is it this? Is it this? Is it this? And I realized it was the olives. And I said, Elliot, can you say olives? Ah, puh. <laughs> so that's what he thought. That's what he was saying. And it was cute. What do you look forward to most about potentially having another? I got to hold a baby recently. And it was so, so um, moving. I, just, I felt like my whole body was vibrating. I don't feel like I had that feeling when I held Elliot as a baby because I was so out of it after the whole birth experience. And it's, I don't know, maybe everything was just too intense. It was too hot uh, that I couldn't process it in real time. So I don't know where I was. I was sort of numb and disconnected from everything, which is why I'm so glad we have so many pictures because I can go back and look at them. But I don't think I realized real I know that this doesn't I don't know that this is going to make sense but like I don't know that I really realized that like this is my newborn I am holding my newborn baby that was inside of me and now he's here instead it was just I was so stressed and anxious and 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 like I said disconnected so I was holding a baby recently 
and and thinking about all of that, um, I hope I'm able to have another one. And I think that it will be, and this is not the reason to have another one, but I know that a lot, I know that I've heard other women say this a lot, like it would be a do-over. And also just, I want to give Elliot a sibling if I can, and watching the two of them play, I know will be endless Instagram content. I'm just kidding. It'll be so cute. Natalie M two says, did you name Wendy, Wendy after your friend from college that sometimes comes on the show? Or was that a coincidence? That was a coincidence. I've always liked the name Wendy and Daniel and I were having a ton of trouble naming Wendy. And I, it's similar to when, similar to when we were trying to name Elliot. What happens is I start making a, I come up with a lot of options and Daniel shoots them all down. And then I'm like, fine, you have to provide some suggestions. So he had shot down all of my dog names. And I think for a little while, her name, we have videos of me referring to her as Lydia. We were thinking of maybe settling on Lydia. And then all of a sudden, this was like a few days after we already had her. I sim- Similarly, we didn't name Elliot for a few days after uh, after we had him. Still in the hospital, though. And I was like, what about Wendy? It just popped into my head and he liked it. So then we signed off. I'm going to see if I can find my list of potential names for Wendy. It's probably deep in my iPhone notes, though. So hold, please. I found it. This is from September 2nd, 2014. And I think we brought her home on August 30th. I found it. The funny thing, though, is that we don't even really call her Wendy. We do, if we're trying to call her, we'll call her Wendy. Uh, but typically we call her Doodles, Doodleberg, Noon, or Noon the Sweet. And there's other, we have like a million nicknames for her. Okay, so here's my list of potential names. Perhaps you could take it and um, name one of your dogs or children. Serena, Shiloh, Layla, Adrian, Adriana, Adriana, Audrey, Carly, Holly, Penelope, Romy, Dragel. Do you guys know the story of Dragel? That one's a joke. Daniel comes up with ridiculous names, like there's the drop that Jeff plays sometimes on the Thursday show, Gravel Spoon, Gravel Spoon Napchick. And <laughs> were those names that he had recommended <laughs> for Elliot? Well, we used to call Elliot Bertle Beans, which sounds almost like a Harry Potter name, because whenever I ask him to provide names, he just comes up with, uh, with, is the word dis not dysphonious, dysphonic? I don't think these are real words um, that I'm using to describe his not real names, but he comes up with ugly sounding, funny sounding names. So he had recommended. <laughs> For Wendy, his offering was Dragel. Khaleesi, I'm surprised that I put that one down. I don't, that doesn't sound like a me kind of name. I know that that's from Game of Thrones. Cora, Jolene, Maureen, Millie, Anita, Rita, Darla, Veronica, parentheses, Ronnie, Marla, Regina, Georgina. I really was pushing hard for Georgina. I think that's a cute name. Fiona, Belinda, Eliza, Ellie, Millie. Oh, two Millies. Nellie, Ursula, Delilah, Leah, Polly, Poppy, Madeline, Valerie, Carol, Marnie, Rachel, Lena, Natalie, Georgina, Belinda, Natalie, Lena, Marlo. Oh, maybe I had 
then was like collating Donna Winnie Janelle. I did have a turtle named Janelle. That was my first ever pet. I had a babysitter named Janelle, and so I named my turtle after her. There you go. Is this good pod? I don't know. Okay. Eliaso FSD says, have you driven, have you test driven a Subaru Outback yet? I love driving that car and it's more luxury than you'd think. I did test drive one. I drove the 3.6. It was, I liked it a lot. When it came down to it, I was debating, should I, because they have really good lease offers. I've never leased a car before, but the Subaru lease is really cheap. So I was like, should I do that or should I blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, I ended up not opting for the Subaru, but I did like it. Catherine, there's a couple underscores in there, says, I loved hearing you talk on your previous solo show about the advice you would give to your younger self, specifically about dating and not worrying or putting so much pressure on yourself to find the right person, knowing everything would fall into place how it was meant to. I'd love to hear you talk about how and when you knew Daniel was the one. Love the show. Thank you. Hmm. How did I know that Daniel was the one? It's it's weird how much I suspected he might be the one really early on when I met him. It was different than any of my other dating experiences. Um, I just felt drawn, I mean, attracted in like the, the true sense of the word, attracted to him, like drawn to him. I didn't want to stop talking to him. And I felt safe and comfortable in his presence but also I felt like there was this sort of enchanting magical feeling, but different than I'm on fire with a crush. In my, you know, in the past, I had had these infatuations that were distractions from everything in my life, and they were kind of dangerous and bad. Uh, not, they were not literally dangerous, but they, they had this element of, of danger and... Uh, like this element of I know that this is not good for me, but I I just need to play with fire a little bit. And with Daniel, there was none of that. In no, like I never thought this situation is bad, but I can't control myself. From the beginning, it was like this might be a good, healthy thing. And we were just friends at the beginning because I had just moved back from New York. I was living down in Orange County with my parents and I felt like there's no way this is the right time for me to be in a relationship. There's too much. My life is too transitional right now. I would not be good for someone else and I don't trust my own perceptions, right? Because like, as I said earlier in this episode, I don't do, I don't love transition. And I mean, I was, I was living in the bedroom that I grew up in. So I felt like I'm not even, I'm not an adult right now even, so let's just be friends. And we were just friends for a long time, but I always, it wasn't, actually we weren't just friends for a long time, just a couple months. But I never put him in the we are only friends category. It was somewhere in the, we were like friends with an asterisk. Apparently, that's my new go-to phrase. I always knew that there might be more there. And then once we started dating, 
it was just it was just so easy. There was one time very early on where and we had we had already slept together and he said we were seeing each other a lot and he said something like i have a a pretty heavy week so i don't think i'm going to be able to see you i don't i can't remember exactly what he said but it's going to be a little while till i see you again and i remember thinking but it, it it was it was kinder than the way that sounds but he was saying like i need to i need to pull back a little bit and i thought to myself if he's going to pull away now is the time that he's going to do it but i didn't i didn't feel panicked i just felt like whatever happens this is good information for me to receive you know i wasn't in the past so many of my dating situations had been things where like i need to white knuckle hang on to this like it's it's vitally important to me that this continues because i am nothing without this relationship it's the only this is not the truth it's how i felt it's the only exciting thing happening in my life and i don't like i don't particularly like the other aspects of my life so this is i need it's like a drug i need this as an escape so that i can blot out the shit that I'm trying to ignore. I don't know if that's how every young person is or if that's just how I was or if it's somewhere in in the middle. These people who meet their spouse in high school and stay with them forever, I don't understand that. I I was like a larva in high school. It took me so long to get to the point that I could be an adult. So yeah, I felt like I hope he's not going to disappear but I'm not going to interfere with whatever this process is. I'm just going to let it play out. And then he kept in touch on text. And then I remember he texted me and he's like, so when can I see you again? And I thought, oh, I had gotten worried for nothing. But really, that was the only time I worried in the whole relationship. That's an exaggeration. No. I mean, stuff has come up, but I don't think I've ever worried that he might he might take off. And that was really early. So yeah, it's just been, it's just been, it was different and it was easy and it felt there, there was this sort of natural momentum to it. I hope this answer is helping. I hope it's not just Allison's inner monologue. Tavara. No, Tavada. Tavatar Gen M. Tavatar Gen M. Oh, I'm sorry. Avatar Gen M. Who is the worst guest experience you've ever had on your show? This could be a Thursday guest or a Monday interview. You can leave out their name if you'd rather not disclose. Yeah, I can't name names. Uh, But there was someone who came on and it was a Monday episode. He's a comedian. And a funny, nice guy. However, it became clear really early on that he didn't want to talk about anything. Oh, wait a minute. I'm thinking there's a few, a handful of them. He didn't want to talk about anything personal. And I feel like my show doesn't work well if the guest only wants to be there. Oh, I'm thinking of more. 
I feel like these episodes were actually fine. If you listen to them, you wouldn't think these were clunkers, but I felt weird about them. And I think I was even more firm on like, I need an authentic emotional truth from my guest. Now I'm a little more okay with keeping things. If if the guest wants to just keep things light, as long as it's entertaining, I think that's okay. But, but I was even less that way then. So I had a guest come on who a lot of people like. He's a really funny guy. But I felt like he was just wedging his stand-up into the answers. And I didn't feel like I ever like got to any depth with him. So there was that. And also, I sometimes with people, with, with people stand-up, you have that feeling that it's funny, but I don't know that I believe that it's true. So that was happening. And then there was another guest who just straight up didn't want to talk about anything personal. So that felt icky. And then there was another guest who wanted to do shtick. And that, I felt like this was the wrong format for that. And then uh, there was a guest, and I think, I forget where I've met. I've named this name before. Her publicist pitched her. I was unfamiliar, although she's she's big. But I, in like sort of a different world than I am. So she was pitched to me and I thought, yeah, that sounds great. And they asked how long I need. And I said, 90 minutes. And then her personal assistant arrived and then her publicist arrived and then another publicist arrived. And this is to my living room. Like I had no heads up that, that a fucking entourage was showing up. And then the publicist told me, oh, by the way, she's only going to be available for 50 minutes and any questions about her relationship are off the table. So that one just, it was a fine interview. It just pissed, and it wasn't even her, but it pissed me off. It pissed me off that like, you asked if you could be on the show. You asked me how much time you I needed. I gave you my answer. And now you're telling me right before we start that I only have 50 minutes. And also I can't ask about this thing that is a thing I commonly talk about. A heads up would have been nice. She was going through, well, she subsequently got divorced. And at the time, I think that it wasn't public yet, but they were having problems. So I understood why they didn't want to talk about that. But still, I just didn't appreciate the way that all went down. Support for Allison Rosen is your new best friend comes from the Audible Romance Package, a subscription for romance lovers by romance lovers that lets you listen all you want to a huge selection of romance audiobooks. The Audible Romance Package has thousands of titles to choose from that you can listen to anytime, anywhere with the Audible app. Whether you're running errands at the gym or just taking in some much-needed me time, you can spend more time with the authors you love by listening to the romances that sweep you off your feet. I got to get this for my mom because she used to, like growing up, my sister and I referred to them as books with puff because she would always fall asleep on the couch with a romance novel and it was like that raised foil lettering open on her chest. So this is this is right up her alley. And also, 
I feel like it could be right up my alley now. Uh, I went to the Romance Writers of America convention. I will tell you guys when I'm done talking about this. You can even use the steaminess score feature that tells you how steamy a romance gets from sweet to O-O-O-M-G. So you know which titles not to play around the kitties. Try the Audible Romance Package today by going to audible.com slash BFF romance. So audible.com slash BFF romance and signing up for a free one month trial. That's audible.com slash BFF romance, audible.com slash BFF romance, audible.com slash BFF romance for a free one month trial. So yeah, when I was working at the OC Weekly, I saw that there was going to be a Romance Writers of America convention in Brea. And I pitched my editor on this being a great story because what goes on there? And I had these fantasies. I don't know what I thought it was going to be, like women in slippers eating bonbons or something. I don't know what I I thought, but it was just a very straightforward, kind of boring meeting of writers who mostly knew each other, didn't know me. And I felt, did I even spend the night? Yes. I think it was two nights in a row and I left after the first night and I'm like, there's not really a story here. But I appreciate that I had an editor who allowed for things like that. Um, yeah, I felt really lonely and I felt I felt on the outskirts of the whole thing because it really was a a trade experience and these people knew each other and... And I suddenly was like, I was unable to penetrate. Great story, huh? Okay, let's go back to the questions. Heidi Nieto, when is Loin Fruit coming? I can't wait. Well, we changed the name to Childish, and Greg is in New York right now, but I also can't wait. In fact, just this morning, I was thinking I need to get in touch with him and find out when he's coming out. Before he left, we sat down and we looked at all the times he might be flying back to California to come up with potential recording times. However, his father-in-law passed away, which really got in the way of our recording schedule. Uh, I'm, I'm joking with my being offended by it. Um, that changed his schedule. And then he didn't come out one of the times. And I don't know, I, I feel like it might be better for us to just have a flow and just wait till he gets back. At the same time, I'm eager to get it off the ground. So it is coming. It is just taking a little longer than we thought it was going to. Suze Hoove says, worst parenting advice you ever got and who is it from? I went to this baby wearing meetup. So for people that don't know, baby wearing, you've probably seen people wear those baby Bjorns or there's very, there's a whole bunch of different carriers you can wear where you put your baby in it and they, well, when they're little, they face you when they're bigger, they can face out or you can wear it on your back and it gives, it's like a backpack for a baby that you wear in the front. Well, there's all different kinds and it allows you to be hands-free. And I fantasized about this kind of life where I could be holding Elliot, but also have my hands free. Like to me, this seemed like the only thing standing between me and my old life is finding the right contraption to wear my son in. Later on, I did get a couple contraptions. And uh, in fact, a listener, Kelly, sent me a little baby, which I think is my favorite. 
Thank you very much. I also have an ergo that I never took out of the box, but I intend to potentially use that for my second baby if I have a second baby. Uh, and also I bought a ring sling at one point. I bought two different ring slings online. I ended up returning both of them. It's a whole long story. I just never got the baby wearing thing down. I, I, I'd wear Elliot in it around the house, but he was bigger at this point. I think it would be different if you have a, you know, seven to nine pounder, but he was much bigger at this point and it just began to really hurt my back. So I don't know. That would be a question for people who are into baby wearing. Do you, ha- do you build up the tolerance and the strength? Anyway, we went to this baby wearing meetup where you could try on a bunch of different baby slings and carriers and et cetera, and you could get help from the people who run it. And before they would adjust whatever you were wearing, they'd be like, permission to touch you? Permission to touch you? And I feel like if they say permission to touch you and you say yes, that should hold for the duration of them adjusting your baby carrier. But instead, every single, and I appreciate that they wanted consent, but every single time they were about to touch you, even if it was just like two seconds later, permission to touch you, permission to touch you, became very exhausting, just repeatedly consenting. But the woman who ran it, I had Elliot in some kind of carrier. I've already forgotten the name of all of them. I had him in, oh, I think it was Becco maybe. And he was fussy and, and kind of unhappy. And she, uh, told me that it seemed, by the way, he was nine weeks old at this point, which is a baby. Uh, and or maybe he was seven weeks old, but she said that fussiness is supposed to like it peaks at six weeks and then it's supposed to end. And the his fussiness seemed not normal to her, and she totally freaked me out. And then she's like, "How's feeding going?" Uh, and had all these questions for me. And in her experience, this was unnatural for him to be as fussy as he was, and it freaked me out. And I it was the weekend, but I was like, I. I need to call my pediatrician. I need to find out what's going on. And then I sort of decompressed in the car on the way home. And I realized he's a baby. Babies cry. I don't think I need to call my pediatrician because this woman who leads the baby wearing group has decided that he's fussing too much. And then he really threw a fit in the car and we pulled over and fed him and he was fine. So that bothered me. But other than that, I've only received good advice, I think. And people are so careful. They're, they're so afraid to give advice because I think they think that you're inundated with advice. Um, but for the most part, I've really appreciated the advice I, I've received. Kelly Shark says, carbs or sweets? Well, sweets are carbs. Carbs are starchy and sugary things. So sugar is a carbohydrate. However, If you're asking me salty or sweet, sweet, 100% of the time. I oftentimes regret, I probably regret all the nuts I've eaten in my life, except for the cashews, maybe the macadamia nuts. The rest of the nuts, hit the bricks. You're not worth it. Peanuts especially. Go fuck yourself. Uh, In fact, there's something I want to say to peanuts. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. I remember my guest and friend, Natalie Morris, saying that for dessert, what she likes is just a spoonful of peanut butter. And there are other people out there who are these peanut butter fans. 
it's not that I'm, it's not that I dislike peanut butter, but I just, it is so caloric. I find it so not worth it unless I dump a bunch of Truvia in it and make it a sweet peanutty treat. And also, just the other day, I was thinking about a buffet situation. Daniel and I, for our uh, baby moon, are you familiar with this this kind of gross term? It's a trip you take when you're pregnant, like a honeymoon, but baby moon, but before the baby comes. Anyway, um, it was kind of last minute, and we we were like, we want to take a baby moon, but where can we go? We went to Las Vegas. We saw Cirque du Soleil. Beatles love. It was so good. I recommend it. And then we saw another Cirque du Soleil show, which I didn't like as much. So I think maybe it's just the Beatles love show that I liked more than being a real Cirque head. Is that what, is that what they call themselves? I don't know. It was a, fu- a fun trip, though. But we there was a buffet at Caesar's Palace, and we did it, and it wasn't that good. That's what I was thinking about the other day. And when I find myself in any kind of buffet situation, I load up on all the things that aren't, in fact, in any life situation. I think I, if I go to dinner, I really wish I were that person who could just go straight to dessert because sure, I enjoyed the appetizer that I shared and sure, the meal was good, but Really, the dessert is the part that I really want. And I know I don't order a dessert myself. I'm not that person. I say I don't want any, and then I eat Daniel's. Actually, he and I will share. We go out to dinner so rarely. That's what we'll do. We'll share a dessert. But I do think I would be better off if I could just go straight to dessert because I oftentimes, everything else, it's just, it's just mouth foreplay. That's a gross phrase. Anyway, sweets. People who don't have a sweet tooth at all or don't like sweets, I don't get I don't get you. But I wish I could be one of you. That being said, I don't eat a ton of sweets, but I eat a ton of artificial sweetener. I don't give a damn. If you could be a sea creature, what would you be? Good question. I certainly wouldn't be an eel because they are icky to me. Uh I kind of want to say penguin because they're cute, but I feel like that's not the right criteria. I don't think I would want to be a sea creature, to be quite honest. I've got a little bit of ocean phobia. So, yeah. I reject your question. Whitney Chandler, what is your mechanism for dealing with stress? With age, I'm coming to realize mine, retreating into myself, is unhealthy and damaging. Therapy is my main one. Therapy, working out, and getting sleep. I've recently started meditating. I'm using that Headspace app. I'm still on my free trial. Not free trial. My like, You get 10 meditations for free, and I'm on like 9 or 10. And it's making a huge difference. I don't know if this is just how it is at the beginning of meditating, but every time I meditate, I feel like all these realizations come to the surface and I get a lot of clarity about what it is I'm feeling. I've been feeling overwhelmed lately. So I think holding still for a moment, then all of a sudden I kind of realize what it is that's bothering me. And I imagine with meditation, you get to a point where you really can just close your eyes and kind of be have a blank situation happening in your brain. I think that's the goal, right? 
I mean, that's one of the goals. But right now, my brain is just every time I meditate, my brain's like, that's my brain barfing up a bunch of thoughts. But on the Headspace app, and they were a sponsor a while ago, but they're not anymore, unfortunately, or else I'd I'd give you a code. Uh, I like the guy's voice. He's vaguely British, and it's soothing. You guys, I said we were going to do fan phone call, which is a segment that I haven't done in a really long time, and I think it's time. So in this segment, people send in their phone numbers, and then I pick one at random. In the old days, I had this double boiler that... that some rel- I got it from some relative. It was really old. And so I would put all the pieces of paper with phone numbers on them in this double boiler, and then I would pull one out of that. I've also at various times pulled them out of sombreros. Right now, they're just in a big pile in front of me on the table. And I'm going to... Um, what am I saying? That's not true. I have assigned all of them numbers, and I have one of those giant cages that people use for lotto and it's got a a bunch of little balls inside of it so i'm going to spin that and then i'm going to get the balls maybe there's some pneumatic action where it's going to like that's the sound of the balls being shot out clearly i don't uh watch lotto is that a thing people do clearly i don't really know what i'm talking about but i'm going to choose the number at random and then i'm going to call the person and then we'll hope they answer all right, here I am scrambling up the pieces of paper. I got to grab them. Hang on. Okay. Now, one person, when she wrote in with her number, she said that Daniel is her dream man. And it is taking all my might not to, instead of randomly choosing, just choose her and call her and get more details on this. Because I got I gots to know. <laughs> what is it? I mean, of course, I love him. He's my dream man, too. But I just, you know. I'd like, to, I'd like to hear more about that. Uh, okay. Scrambling the numbers. Here we go. Closing my eyes. Closing my eyes and scrambling. Okay. All right. Here we go. It's Nikki. We're going to call her now. What Jeff doesn't know is the... Because we don't ever take calls on this show or make calls on this show because the audio is not... We, we don't have it set up to like have calls come in through the board or anything. So I'm just going to put her on speakerphone and then hold it near the microphone. You know, like the professionals do. All right, here we go. Now, I'm going to do star 67 to block my number. I hope that's the right thing. Let's find out. How's that volume, you guys? You can't answer, so I don't know. Is this Nikki? Yes. Oh my gosh. Hi. Hi. Okay. So question, was my number blocked? Yes. It says no number blocked. Okay. Because I did star 67, but I was unsure whether that was the, because there's all those star 68, star 69s, and I didn't know if I had the right one. Uh, okay. Did it correctly. Perfect. So uh, where are you? Um, I'm in Seattle. In Seattle. Well, congratulations for being the first fan phone call on the return, the official return of the fan phone call. Because I used to do this segment. My heart is pounding right 
thing right now. I'm so excited. Okay, I have a question. You probably get this a lot. I don't want to say your last name if you don't want me to say it. But um, okay, how do you pronounce it? Because it, it say it. It's it's Kuntz. Kuntz. Do you get people saying cunts all the time? Yeah, in mail. My mom's name is Michelle with one L, and we've definitely gotten mail where it was Michael Cunt. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Yes, it happens. Yes. So, Nikki, uh, what do you do? What's new in your life? What do you like to snack on? Lots of questions. So, well, you actually have kind of caught me at a crazy time in my life. I quit my, I was a paralegal. I quit my job. Uh, about three weeks ago because I just hated it. And um, I've always been working in restaurants as a side gig. And so I was planning on going back to restaurants until I figure out what I want to do. Um, but before my insurance ran out, I was like, oh, I should probably go to the doctor and dentist and do all of those things. Um, and it turns out I have a fractured foot. That oh, I no. About. Um, <laughs> so right now I'm basically unemployed, but doing okay <laughs> so wait you had a you had a fractured foot but it wasn't giving you any pain I would say it was like there was some pain but I'm very stubborn and I would say it was like a two out of ten huh what do they rec- so, do they have to do something about it I just have to wear a boot until for like five weeks um got a niece yesterday so planning on scooting around town today <laughs> a little bit Nice. But yeah. So right now my life is a little bit crazy. So I'm sorry. I must I must ask more questions about this foot situation. So was it foot pain that brought you into a foot doctor, though? Or was it just like you're like, I've got insurance. I've got to get checked out. And they happened no, to discover it. Was it. Foot, it was foot pain. Okay. I had it for like five months. But I had a standing desk at work that I stood at all day. I went to the gym. I walked everywhere. Did my normal thing. I just ignored it. I, I'm just wasn't really. I was just hoping it was going to go away. And it never did. Do you know how you did it? Um, I know when it started was um, I spent New Year's Eve um, in New York. I was there for. Um, fish concerts. I'm a huge fish fan. And uh, I walked around a ton and uh, I knew after that, like, my foot was kind of hurting, but um, I just, yeah, I'm just not that great to myself apparently and ignored it. So now this is the consequence. So wait, you got it from just walking around too much at a fish concert? Just at a fish concert, I would say all day and then like spending all night and not wearing the correct shoes. And also it was so cold in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's, I think it it started then and then I just continually made it worse. Right. Um, by standing and all those things. So, so this job, this job that you quit and congratulations on um, quitting a shitty job. Why did you hate it? <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I thought that's what I wanted to do with my life, but um, I hated it. I I also, I maybe need to try a different type of law. It was litigation, and I just, like, I thought it was so dumb. Like, mm-hmm. there was just, it was just so dumb, and people just spending so much money for no reason. And so I just was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I just quit. What kind of litigation? Mostly, like, commercial and 
Um, just kind of what you would think of, like, just people suing each other. But there were some good cases where I really felt like we were helping people, but there was other ones that it just seemed so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, I just gave myself a shot. I, the I was list- going to ask if there was any baby update. I'm having a transfer tomorrow. So fingers crossed. Um, yeah, I, the listeners don't know this, hopefully, because I hit pause on the recording and then went and gave myself a shot and then came back and hit record again. So hopefully it would have sounded seamless, except I went and gave myself a shot. Now I give my, I've given myself tons of shots, but typically the intramuscular ones, which are in the hip, which is a, I have to do progesterone and oil, which is, those are like the worst ones because it's this really thick, solution. Usually Daniel gives me those, but I have to do them at 12 o'clock and he's at work. So I've had to do them myself. And this is the third one I've given myself. The other two were surprisingly okay. It's like an inch and a half needle. And I just, for some reason, was very afraid. I felt like it was going to feel different when I put the needle in. And I don't mean in my hip. I mean like in my hand, I felt like it would feel different as I, like I was, I would hit resistance or I, I don't know what, but they've just, it's really been like putting, you know, a, a needle into a pin cushion. There's been no problem. It's been fine. But then today, as I put it in, as I put the needle in, like it almost felt like a little pop, like there was just re, like the, re, there was resistance and it's kind of making me want to throw up. <laughs> just thinking about it like in my mind it's like what did I just hit did I hit a vein or an, a something or like is something wrong is this is it am I doing this wrong I don't know why my skin was like res- why it, there was a, that resistance I don't know but it's uh it's super disgusting oh I'm sorry thank you thank you <laughs> so the other question what kinds of things do you like to snack on Ooh, well I mean I think everybody's favorite a charcuterie plate like oh sure no wrong with that um i also am a weird mixer of things like i love mixing salsa and hummus oh that sounds good it is good um what else do i like to snack on i try not to be too much of a snacker these days with my foot broken and i can't work out so i've been kind of boring i guess but smart Nothing. Yeah, I'm not a sweet person, so I don't have an exciting sweet combination to give you. I was just talking earlier in the show about people who are not sweets people. Explain, like, you don't like sweets at all, or just it's not what you gravitate towards? Um, It's not something I gravitate towards. I'm more of, like, a sour candy person. But, like, chocolate, like, I can leave cake, I can leave everything on the table. Like, I, I, I'll I, eat it if I am being polite, but I don't like it enough for the amount of calories that I'm going to be putting in my body to eat it. This is fascinating to me. Um, So, do you ever crave anything sweet? No. Interesting. What kind of, and you crave sour stuff, though? So, I don't, I wouldn't say I crave it, but if I was... If I, sometimes I guess if I'm in the mood, then yeah, I'll get like, I like, um, like, you know, Sour Patch Kids or Airheads or maybe some gummy bears, but I'm not, I'm not, yeah, not a huge, not a huge person on that, but I envy Daniel 
for not ever wanting to eat food. Yeah, I don't understand that. Ice cream is his weakness a little bit, though, but it's like the fact that he has this ice cream sweet tooth thing, it's like he's never, it's it's this curious novel thing he's experiencing lately of like, he actually enjoys a food and wants to eat too much of it. Um, yeah. I'm going to be jealous if Elliot is the same way. Yes. It'll be easier for me, though. Well... It might be hard to get him to eat, though. He already isn't that way. Like, if we're out and another mom is giving her kids snacks, he comes up and just stands there. So he already likes to snack a lot. So he, he's like me. So adorable, by the way. Thank he's you. Beautiful. Thank you. So I have to ask, this is now just me uh, focus grouping. I'm just curious how you found my show. Oh, uh, Adam Carolla. Okay. Yeah, I'll tweet at you after. Um, I, I like, I was so, that whole thing was, I cried. So I woke up, I was oh. in New Orleans for a wedding, and I woke up that morning, and I was the first person awake, so I was like, okay, I'm going to go listen to the show, because, you know, you guys had had a break. And I was like, and then it, that was the first thing that I heard, and I started crying, and I was like, oh my God, like, what is happening? But I think... All in all, for you, it's been good. So yeah. About that. Oh, that's I, that's I sweet. I'm sorry. And I was like, and also the Thursday show. I mean, I still love it. I love all of how it's like how it is, but uh-huh. like I was so bummed about all, everything, and I thought it was really shitty. And I still listen to them every day, but that doesn't. I don't. I don't agree with a lot of the stuff that he has done or talks about, but. Um, I think in the end it has been better for you. Yeah, I think so too. I think so too. There are certain, every now and then there'll be like something that I'll think about. And I mean, there were definitely good times for sure. And there are certain aspects of it. There's certain aspects of the dynamic with him and Brian that I miss. Um, Yeah. But you still talk to Brian and stuff. Yeah, I do. I I know he's been on the show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm going to go back on Film Vault soon. So yeah. Um, well, gosh, thanks for submitting your number and, uh, thanks good for calling me. I'm sure. So <laughs> well, have a good rest of your day and thanks again for listening. Okay. Thank you. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. You guys, that was a lengthy fan phone call. Usually I remember when I used to do this, I tried to keep them a little tighter, but I'm just easing on back into it. So yeah, as I was saying, I did uh, give myself a shot in, in the middle of everything. And through the magic of audio engineering, hopefully you won't be able to tell. But it's feeling a little funky. I think my big concern is what if I hit an artery or something? And in the, let's take a medical minute. In the old days, which is like, I don't know. Uh, six months ago, they would tell you to aspirate a tiny bit, which means you put the needle in and then you pull back on it a tiny bit to make sure that you're not in a vein or an artery. I don't know. You're, you don't get any blood, blood return is what they call it. You don't get any blood in the needle, I mean, in the syringe, because if so, then you have to take it out and put it in a different spot. However, now they say that you don't need to do that. They've discovered, I'm sure with certain shots you do, but with these 
progesterone and oil shots that are in your like hip butt area, it's so deep and the chances of hitting anything are so tiny uh, that you don't need to, which is good because it's, I'm already in a really awkward position giving the shot to myself. So I, I don't think I, it would, it would be difficult to aspirate. So I didn't, but in my mind, like that's not good practice in my personal medical practice. I don't, I don't uh, sign off on that. So anyway, the weird sensation of it, like, anyway, sorry. Okay. Let's end on a, not that note. What note should we end on? Um, I'm going to remove this number from my pile of numbers. I'm going to stick this over here. I'm going to remind you guys that I'm on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen is where you go. There's all sorts of fun reward stuff. There's bonus episodes. You can get the episodes early, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes. Uh, there's too much access to me, frankly. That's not the feedback I get, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. And there's live streams and uh, merch in the mail and all sorts of stuff. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And if you like what you're hearing, subscribe, tell a friend, follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen, follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F, follow me on Instagram. Sometimes I go live on Instagram. I never used to do that, but just lately I've started to a little bit. And that's at Allison Rosen on Instagram. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. You are the best. And uh, I will talk to you later. And next time you tune in, presumably I will have a guest unless I truly am cursed and I never have a guest again, except I already have guests line up. Uh, despite what I said earlier, earlier that I don't, I, I just know who my next couple guests are going to be. Okay. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen show? 